Hello, it is Taylor here and I am so glad that you are back for another Take 5 with TBN UK podcast episode. relationship status and so this podcast really is for everyone and it's on one of my favorite topics singleness in the church I chat to Lauren Windle about her new book notes on love singleness in a marriage obsessed church and we had some fantastic and rather hilarious chats about dating marriage and how the church can do better to embrace single people in today's culture but first, as always, we're going to listen in to a chat between me and some of my TVN UK colleagues. Emily and Graham are back and we discussed our perfect first date. Let's take a listen. Okay, so if you were going to go on a date now, like the person you are right now, 2021, well, actually, maybe ignoring the stress and trauma of COVID, maybe you in 2019, uh, what would be your perfect first date? What would you want to do? Well, I hope people are taking notes because if they want to go on a date with me, this is what they know what to do. So my perfect date would be a day date and it would be totally unplanned because I love spontaneity. So for me, it would be something like going for brunch or going for a walk where you don't have to look at each other intently over a dinner table, but you can walk side by side, look at things around you, maybe stop off at a coffee shop or go to a market and get some food, but something super relaxed not putting pressure on it and just enjoying wherever the day takes you yeah I love that yeah I agree I think the spontaneity thing might stress me a little bit so I think I'd need a couple of planned activities so for my perfect first day I love food um said it many times on the podcast all I talk about is food and I think yeah you need an activity that spurs conversation but yeah, you don't have to stare at each other, like you said. So I love, you know, like a cooking lesson or something like that. Ooh. So like, I'd love to go on like a like a pasta making or sushi making or something like that. Nice. But it's loads of fun. You can have a laugh. Then you're expected to eat and you don't have to figure out what to order because you've just made the stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, that would be my perfect. I went on a date to a cho- chocolatier, chocolate making thing day. Yeah. And the person who was running the chocolate making day didn't like chocolate. Oh, that must count as a bad date. Yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? So I went on a cocktail making class by myself. And that was not the intention. However, I was alone at a class meant for couples. And there were tables meant for two people each. So it was incredibly awkward. I had to like shuffle on the end and join these people. And guess what? The people that I joined, they had booked this uh, cocktail making class three months ago when they were still together they broke up but they both really wanted to do the class so oh. it actually worked out really well because I was able to be the buffer in between them oh. and it was actually a lot of fun because they they ended up not being together I was there alone so it was just three single people enjoying what they were learning and yeah it ended up being a great time definitely should try it by yourself not always on a date in that scenario, did were they like actively trying not to speak to each other? Yeah. 
It just sounds so painful. So actually, it was only awkward until I found out because the guy went to the toilet. So it was just me and the girl. And I asked her, she asked me what I was doing there. And I asked her how long they had been together. And that's when she told me that they broke up. So it was slightly awkward finding out when he wasn't there. But then she also said, like, it was actually nice to have me on their table because it meant it wasn't awkward because we all got to speak to each other. The only awkward part is when the guy who was doing the class said to take pictures. So I had to take a picture of them after they had broken up <laughs> with their creation. And then they had to take a picture of me by myself. Oh. It, was, it was actually empowering because it's totally okay to do things by yourself. And I very Amen. much enjoyed it. And guys, if you want to be Emily's perfect date, just give her a call. 0782. <laughs> Wait, that's actually my phone number, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I've been planning that one oh. since the start. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. It's so that we can figure out how many people are, are, what, are listening to the podcast. Yeah, it's just research. <laughs> I'm committed. Oh Apparently in Brazil, you know, they're all hot-blooded in Brazil. My wife is half Brazilian, so I can say that. Um, in in Rio, apparently it's quite common if a guy uh, is driving a car and he sees a girl that he likes the look of in another car, he will literally crash his car into that car so that he can talk to the girl. Wow. What? Yeah. That is it's quite common. Like Not like crash-crash, like bump into the car. <laughs> Like, I'm going to write your car off so I can talk to you. I was going to say, like, it's a it's a good way to like get someone's details because you need all their insurance. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. It's lovely to see your lovely face again. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This has turned into a bit of a weekly podcast chat hasn't it yeah absolutely it's always good it's always a lot of fun and for those who are listening who have no idea why I can see Lauren we're on a video call um which is obviously technology (laughs) yeah it's this year's and and last year's theme isn't it the video call um one day I'll see people in person but for now this is good so we're here to talk about singleness and the church, in the church. Who knows what I'll title it, but it'll be something like that. Um, Because you've written a fantastic book, which I have been thoroughly enjoying before it was even released, um, which has been loads of fun. Uh, And it's called Notes on Love. So being single and dating in a marriage-obsessed church. Now, I was super excited about the subtitle because it's very reminiscent of many conversations I've had with my friends, um, whether we've been single or dating or married, yeah. um, even now, that kind of statement, you know, singleness and dating in a marriage obsessed church is just a hot topic for us, to be honest, all the time. So it's a strong, it's a strong subtitle. Yeah. What are a few of the quick fire reasons that the church seems to be marriage obsessed. Yeah, and I do think it's important to say seems because ultimately anyone who's got their theology right doesn't prioritise marriage over being single. And there are some churches which I think do this really well. And maybe there's a few areas they could improve, but there are some churches where I think this is like dire. So <laughs> it is, it's a spectrum. Don't know where you and your church 
is on that spectrum. But um, I think that there's always space for more conversation around it, particularly. This is the thing, right? The the quick fire reasons are that churches are led by married people on the whole, unless you're Catholic, obviously, which is different kettle of fish. But churches are predominantly led by married people. A lot of the anecdotes they tell in their sermons are based around marriage and having kids. And, oh, my kids said this funny thing. And that's when I realized what Jesus meant when, you know, and they pull all of those like stories from their lives. But their lives are the lives of married family men often. You know, obviously, there's more and more women as well. Um, So there's that. Uh, People I spoke to in the research when I was researching for the book said that, like, they felt like the pain of being single and the disappointment and the hope deferred was often just not recognized and acknowledged in churches. And actually, a lot of people in churches think that if you're unhappy being single, we should get you married. Mm. When really, there's nothing wrong with being single. Being single isn't a problem, but the problems associated with being single, like feeling lonely, like feeling isolated, particularly in light of the last 18 months of pandemic where we've literally had to keep our distance from people we didn't live with incredibly tough for single people you know feeling feeling like you're not actually part of a family unit and a community that's the problem and we can solve that without anyone getting married you know Mm, yeah it's interesting what you say about some of the problems and how People are quick to jump to, well, if we get you married, the problems will be solved. I was having a little think about this. Like, would you say that we often feel like being single or being married, um, people either love or hate the stage they're at? Like, I feel like we expect single people to either be completely miserable every day and lonely and sad or, you know, living their best life, sex in the city kind of Mm. vibe. And same with marriage, we were either like, you know, well, married people have this Disney, yeah. they've got everything, they've reached the goal, or they're on the brink of divorce. It seems like there's no fluidity. Yeah, that is totally the media, though, isn't it? Like in the case of marriage, you either see marriages breaking down, breaking up at crisis point, people having affairs, all of that stuff, or you see this like happily ever after style gorgeous wedding happy couple 40 years later same with you know being single it's either like the most depressing thing ever and this sad woman pushing 40 in a rom-com is like out trying to find Mr. Right or it's you know sex in the city I don't need a man strong independent woman all of that kind of stuff and you know what I feel like I'm all of those things you know Mm. and obviously you're married like The problem is that somebody who's like relatively emotionally stable and balanced, but experiences difficulties sometimes and really enjoys their situation at other times, which I think is probably what we would describe a lot of marriages as well as as my sort of single journey doesn't make good tv you know <laughs> it's mm. like oh look there goes a person avoiding drama in their lives let's turn that into a sitcom mm, you know so like yeah. we just need to remember that what we're watching is love fiction it's not love fact and actually things are often you know for want of a better phrase somewhere in the shades of gray <laughs> like it's not it really isn't black and white 
Yeah, absolutely. Don't say shades of grey on a dating podcast. <laughs> I thought that would be fun. I thought you'd enjoy it. I did. I got I got it. I loved it. Um, okay, and before we get stuck into the meat of kind of maybe some of our own stories and maybe yeah. some of the ways that the church, we as the church could improve the way we bring people together, I think it's important that we ask you, do you think marriage is good? Um, no, it's disgusting. Everyone <laughs> just stopped. No, of course. I think marriage is brilliant. And I think that there's something incredible about two people coming together, agreeing to compromise and meet in the middle and find a way to merge their lives, particularly in a Christian context where those people can lift each other up, encourage each other to spiritually grow, you know, work towards kingdom games together, like maybe together in ministry or maybe just by supporting each other's individual goals, like whatever works for you as a couple. I love that. And what is so important is companionship and what an incredible example of unwavering companionship is marriage when it's done right obviously I know Mm. that you know as with anything good it can be done badly and then and then this wouldn't apply but that's that's a different situation and Mm. that's incredible but I don't think it's the only source of love I know it's not the only source of love I don't think it should be the only source of companionship although some people do see it that way um Mm. and I think that actually there are very few things that you can get in a marriage that you can't get from your friends family your church community and things like that I mean it's obvious obviously like if we're talking about sex and that level of Mm. intimacy fine you won't get that from your church community (laughs) (laughs) it's hope not (laughs) Unless your church community is doing something very wrong, in which case, please go and speak to a professional or contact a charity straight away. Yeah. But no, like, you know, the emotional intimacy, the spiritual intimacy, the the uplifting, the companionship, the consistency. I don't see why we can't get that outside of marriage. We should we should be able to. And a lot of people do. But a lot of people don't. Yeah, absolutely. And also a lot of people maybe because of what they've been taught or what they've seen or what they've been telling themselves, might tell themselves that they don't expect to find that anywhere else, which can be tricky. Uh, Brings me on to my next question. Do you think singleness is good? Oh, yeah, of course. And this is so biblical as well. This is Corinthians. Look, the Bible also says marriage is good. You know, we know those verses. We also know Paul's letters to the Corinthians where he says you know I wish you could stay single like me um a person who is married is concerned this is paraphrasing (laughs) definitely look (laughs) it up to get the real one you know a person who's married is concerned about the needs and wants of their partner but a person who is single can fully focus on God and and fulfillment and life through God and actually you know like I think this is quite a classic thing to say, so I don't mean to be like all cliche, but Jesus wasn't married. And if he is our example of living life to the fullest, you know, we, uh, he didn't sin. So we're assuming from that, that he also wasn't sexually active, you know, all of that stuff. Actually, doesn't that just show us that marriage and then subsequently sex do not add anything to the fulfillment of your life, but he did have deep companionship. 
despite not having that marriage so I I suppose it's very hard because even as I say this myself as a single person I'd love to be a person who's just like oh yeah Jesus wasn't married so I definitely don't need to be I feel totally full and don't even come near me with your dates and your movie nights and your you know kisses or your wedding rings no thank you I'm far too Jesus-y for that but there you know we're human and there is a longing for that companionship for that attention to feel attractive to feel deeply loved and deeply known you know so it's not that someone's bad if they don't want to be single but I think it's a shame if they see that as progression because it's not progression and life doesn't start after marriage you know there's so much available to us as single people and and almost we can be so focused on getting into that relationship that we forget to live now you know yeah definitely and I think a lot of our language doesn't help that in the church um I've definitely had a lot of people speak to me about when I'm going to get married And I was chatting with a friend recently. It's the same thing, what you're saying, Paul writes. You know, we love to stick to maybe a biblical guideline, how to live our lives. We communicate based on what the word says. Mm. And I noticed that so many people were asking me, so you and Nathan, (laughs) when when is the ring going to be on the finger? Someone actually told me once, um, oh, you know, you should hurry him up, not realizing that, I was the one that was traumatized by marriage. I was terrified. Nathan was ready after five minutes. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so it's funny, I, you know, I've definitely felt people maybe overstep with the best intentions. Yeah. But chatting to my friend, I realized surely we should hear, and maybe I'm being silly, but surely we should hear more often people in the church say, are you sure you want to date? <laughs> like, are you sure you want to get to the point where you're married because you know you're not going to be able to focus on God as well and being single is fantastic but nobody has ever said to me are you sure you want to pursue this relationship but they have said when are you getting married yeah (laughs) I don't know oh you are speaking some serious truth there do you know what like you're so right and that's not just the sort of old aunties in the church who do that like I've done it too I've I was at a wedding once and I like sidled up to my mate who'd been with um their girlfriend for like how long have they been together he'd been with her for like a year and a half and I was like oh this is gonna be you next and they broke up the next day and that was obviously in the pipeline they were in discussions they they were working things out and then I in side over like I'm so lols like hey hey who's gonna catch the bouquet tonight and he's like oh thanks Lauren you know so like it's not it's not like I'm some sort of you know enlightened person who never gets this wrong it's everyone who does it and it's almost an interesting part of conversation and you and you want to champion people in and see them get to that next stage that's how people see it that next stage rather Mm. than just being like all in a sort of jumble of different stages and that being an amazing way of contributing to the richness of our lives and our community do you know what else though about the whole like are you actually sure you want to get married thing I remember someone saying this ages ago um, and thinking it was so important I always do this now is when someone gets engaged right 
Um, basically, this woman ended up divorced from her partner. They weren't Christian, but she ended up divorced from her partner. She'd been with him for a long time, so it was just the assumption that they would get married. He proposed, and she just never saw any other... Of course, she was going to say, yes, they've been together for a while. So she knew that things weren't right, and they ended up divorced, and I think that it was quite an abusive relationship. And with hindsight, when people said to her, like, if you knew something was wrong, why didn't you... Why didn't you stop? Why did you marry him? And she was like, no one ever asked me. And from then on, you know, I don't, it's not the first thing I say when someone says I'm engaged. But later down the line, when we grab a coffee and, you know, and we're chatting about it, I always say like, look, I know you're, you know, this is exciting and our wedding's exciting, but I just want to tell you that actually if something doesn't feel right, it's not too late and it's okay. And you know, do, yeah, maybe it'd be fun to have the party, but do you really want this marriage? You know, do you really want it? And, and actually people need to know that just because a venue's booked, they're not locked in. And, and I think that that's really important. And we could maybe save a few people getting into some really disastrous relationships in abusive situations and things like that. If we made it clear that the door is open to change your mind. You know, I remember my Bible study leader when I was first Christian, she was Ukrainian and she was so strict. She grew up in a church where you couldn't wear earrings because it was too like showy to wear earrings as a woman in church. (laughs) I know. Um, And she was like, as far as I'm concerned, you could have said your vows. And if you haven't consummated your relationship, you're not married and you can get out. You can always get out. She was like, never feel that you're forced into it. Before your wedding night, you are not married. (laughs) Did anyone ever let her do a speech? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? If I get married, I might ask her to. (laughs) Just to let everyone know, until tonight, I think my dad would feel a bit uncomfortable. But you you are right. I think also it makes me think of um, like marriage prep. That was like a new thing to me when I became Mm. a Christian. Um, We've chatted before, but I became a Christian, for those who don't know, about 17. So the whole Mm. relationships, the idea of how that works, getting married, kind of my mind had to change quite radically, I'd say, Mm. for this new church culture. Um, And this idea as well that someone gets on their knee and there's this big moment and then you say yes and then potentially as you say you freak out down the line or maybe it goes you know perfectly like Disney that had to change and one thing I would say is with marriage prep actually it's a very Christian thing but it is fantastic yeah. and we were having conversations with couples before we were even engaged it wasn't that I would wait down for this wait sorry wait for this surprise from Nathan to get down on one knee yeah. but we were talking about engagement and marriage way before even being engaged and talking yeah. to people yeah. and getting help yeah. <laughs> serious help yeah. because it, it's real like people are messy there's yeah. conversations to be had and I think if we go in with this um almost uh, sounds awful but too romantic of an idea yeah. oh, I, me yeah. personally I would have set myself up for a fail or led Nathan along without yeah. talking about any of my mess and his mess you know so I think communication and having those friends like you say that sit down and say are you sure is perfect totally totally and you know you wouldn't go into business with someone without having some serious conversations about finances about expectations about goals you know and that's you know this is 
Uh, this is like more serious than that, you know? And actually I remember two of my friends who weren't Christian got married and they ended up divorcing because they had a conversation about children post-marriage and realized that one of them really wanted children and one of them didn't. And I remember thinking, if you were Christian, that never would have happened so far down the line because you would have been forced by some older married couple in your church to go on the marriage course, to have that. You would have been invited round for tea with people who asked you some really awkward questions. And you would know that well before you locked things in with a marriage and then realised that actually your aspirations were just incompatible. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a weird but very helpful yeah. thing that happens. But there are some things that are maybe weird and unhelpful. So I think you mentioned in your book a few of the words or phrases that we use, um, maybe some things that have been said to you as a single person yeah. can you think of anything now yeah, any no, weirdness you're just being picky have you put yourself out there which apps have you tried what about blah blah but what about blah blah oh you know I don't know if you're really open are you really open you know I think you should probably get a wriggle on you know better hurry up particularly if you want children you know oh we need to get you married let me have a think about the person who we can get you married to you know and all of that stuff and you're like I already put enough pressure on myself I do not need this from you as well Doreen do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah I'm with you so just a few yeah. just a few yeah yeah, couldn't think of many there. I had to do that off the cuff, so. <laughs> We've been here before. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I've heard those things as and well. It's not just women who get that as well. I remember I interviewed some guys for the book, and one of the guys said that the older women in his church sort of were conscious that there were more single women than single men and they would kind of come up to him and if he wasn't currently dating someone they'd almost tell him off like he wasn't doing his bit for the war effort and he's like okay you know I'm just just on a journey I'm just taking my time you know <laughs> yeah oh my goodness it is and sometimes there's not your your people aren't in necessarily in your church in some cases, yeah. but everybody expects you to just choose the first person that walks in that's maybe the right age bracket, and that's about it. Yeah, but you know, yeah. it's strange. I mean, in your book, I loved um, you mentioned the one, mm. and I just wanted to ask you: Do you believe in the one? Mm. Well. Yes and no. No in that, of course, there isn't one person for you. And if you look back through your life, I reckon, so I'm, I'm 32. I reckon I have met eight to 10 men who, if I chose to marry them, we could make an incredible life together. Um, and we would have an amazing basis of friendship and the sort of, you know, physical side I'm sure would follow. Um, as trust and, and emotional intimacy grew between us and that's an active choice and I think everyone could probably do that and I think that the reason I say yes and no is that there is the one when you choose that that person will be the one and you pick them and you marry them and you discount all others leaving just one person but there are lots of the ones in that you just need to pick one of the ones you know mm. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I say the same thing. People were asking me stories about marrying Nathan and if he's the one. I was like, well, he is now. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I think Nathan could have married anyone and I could have married anyone. It doesn't sound romantic, but it's true. And I think, again, 
I mean, I love Disney, but let's all blame Disney. Can I say oh, that? Maybe not. Problem, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I still, even now, watch a lot of Disney, but the you know, honestly, Disney and rom-coms, no one's ever turned up at an airport to stop me getting on a flight, okay? <laughs> what is that about? I was given the impression that every flight would have someone hopping the barriers to tell me, don't go, we should spend this time together. Not once has that happened. Can you believe it? I bet no one ran in on your wedding to try and stop it, to try and... No, adjust. Well, absolutely you know, not. what's going on with that? <laughs> Know. where were they oh, I love a bit of drama I know we all love a bit of it's like friends isn't it she got off the plane yeah um yeah it's a lot I mean another thing just and I, I don't know if you mentioned this in your book you probably do I love this book guys but um just thinking about obviously you're a very attractive woman you're smart I think you've even got some there you are and you've got some secret facts I think about you that you know on your website you're very smart you've done a lot secret facts like that I brush my teeth with hot water <laughs> which I think is smart okay people smart save the planet yeah all of that it's yeah. a cool hug in my mouth before I go to bed yeah don't ju- don't judge us we did have a chat didn't we about brushing our teeth in the shower which I think is planet friendly but so honestly that is streamlining your life in a way that is exceptional and more people should know but yeah, yeah. Sorry. Maybe another another podcast yeah. one day. <laughs> no, but I was just going to say, do you think that maybe, I don't know if it's the church or if it's just everyone, do we just assume that anyone that is um, attractive, we think they're attractive, um, doing well, or just, what do you call it, an eligible bachelor or bachelorette, should not be single? Oh, uh, like you do I know a lot of people will have heard this line like I just don't understand why you're single and then someone will list off all of these amazing qualities like you're funny you're smart you've got a good job you've just bought a house you've got a puppy you do your own nails you know whatever it is they've decided is important um yeah do you know what I don't hate hearing that because it's nice to hear really nice stuff about yourself but I don't know how helpful it is Mm. because what we're sort of saying when we say that is here's the list of things that make someone want to be with you and I've ticked off and you've got 15 out of 20 so by my estimations you're you should have had the call up by now you know the 20 Mm. out of 20s are gone then the 19s then the 18s but actually we're down by like the 11s right now so you should have been long married off but it's you know it's not it's not like waiting for your COVID jab, you know, it's not, it's not like that. And actually what you're, what I'm looking for is not someone who ticks a series of boxes. I'm looking for someone with whom I feel a real connection. And actually I have in the past felt that connection with people who don't come near to ticking the boxes I thought were important, you know, like, oh, I'd like someone this height who does a job like this and blah, blah, blah. And actually in spending time with people, I found that like, you know, that guy over there's, you know, like far shorter than I thought and works in an industry that I don't really like, or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But actually he's amazing and he loves Jesus and he's got a really good heart and we get on well. And that's actually all that matters. So what we think matters doesn't actually matter. And I hate to say it. I I think this is, it's a tough one. Looks are important because you want to feel physically attracted to someone but what one person finds attractive is like nowhere near what another person does so if one person 
thinks you're a bit ugly, believe me, someone else will disagree wholeheartedly. Mm. You know? So so that's it. Mm. There'll be plenty of people who think I'm attractive, but plenty of people who don't at all. And that's fine because I just won't date those ones, you know. Why, why do you think the church want people to be married so much? I mean, we've talked about what the Bible says. Yeah. What is it? I think because people are aware that there's a lot of pain tied up in it. Um, I think people people hear the, the heart of it, like, oh, I'm lonely, I want that companionship, I want to build a life with someone. And then they say, okay, great, let's get you married. When actually it'd be nice if we said, okay, great, yeah, like, do, meet people, I'll help you meet people, you know, we'll get you out there and see if there's someone you connect with. But what's more important than that is that we design a life for you where you have that companionship as a single person. Um, Mm. So I think the heart behind wanting everyone to get married is really good. And actually, not always, but a lot of single people will want to be married. And a church is just honoring that desire in people by, by sort of praying into it or, you know, trying to sort of connect single people. And some churches don't even really do that. But, you know, if you can do that, then that's wonderful. If it can be a topic of prayer, if it, if there can be social things that aren't even called like, you know, mixers or dating events <laughs> or singles events, but actually just like here are a load of single people between these ages in a room, you know, talk to each other. <laughs> That's basically yeah. all you need to do. You don't need a high pressure situation. And actually if everyone ends up friends, then great. And things will grow out of that and people will explore things. Maybe you won't know about it, but believe me, they will. Off the back mm. of they're just being a big old friendship group of single people, you know. Yeah. And I think so language is really important opportunity as well. Do you think it's important to perhaps make more representation for these people? I think I don't see single people necessarily doing as much of the stuff in church as we should. I mean, if someone is feeling like they desire a partner, but then pile on the fact that they don't see anyone like them at their stage, if you like. It's not a stage. Um, but doing mm. leadership or speaking, whatever it is, do you think that's a problem? I think, I mean, representation is important. And that's, you know, that's something that's been increasingly discussed recently. And actually, I do think this to me feels like an amazing season for people to listen you know, I think it's an amazing single season for people who aren't single, who maybe haven't been single for years, you know, church leaders who got married 30 years ago, you know, amazing opportunity to listen to those single people about actually some of the trials that they face, you know, in the same way that hashtag me too and reclaim these streets has got people listening to actually how women feel when they get certain comments or when they're walking home at night black lives matter has given an opportunity for white people to hear stuff that they maybe didn't realize was even going on these microaggressions you know so actually this just feels like a great time to go you know let's Let's see how we can build a really inclusive model for every every sort of group. And lots of people will dip in and out of lots of those groups, you know. But it's, it is great when you see someone on stage doing something amazing, running a ministry, planting a church. 
and then they're a single person then you can go oh hang on I've always wanted to plant a church I might not have to get married to do that because I like I know I don't think I've ever seen um, people get sent off to plant a church who weren't in a married couple and I think that that's a real shame because if I had felt like God was calling me to do that that would feel like a massive inhibitor for me like okay so what I'll need to wait until I have a husband before I even consider doing that when actually if it's a case of it's just too hard for one person to do it then let's get two or three single people to do it together who all have the same heart let's join them together you know um so yeah I think that that would be incredible to to have more voices from the front who are not a married and you know what really annoys me as well (laughs) sorry this is my rant in a Christian conference when a man goes on stage to speak and his wife comes up with him and he goes, oh, hi, I'm Johnny Smith. And this is my wife, Susie Smith. And she like waves and is like, hi, we're so pleased to be here. And then she leaves and he does his talk. And you're like, what? Why did she do that? We don't even need to know that you're married unless you're speaking about marriage. You know, It doesn't add to your credibility Like, why have we seen her? And then I was at one conference, right, where there were two, I won't name them, and I won't name the conference while we're recording, but there were two two men, both did that. And then there was, so there were three key speakers, two men, one woman, woman. Both men did that. The woman was married, but her husband did not come on stage with her to do an introduction. He stayed seated in the audience. And I'm just like, what is going on? You know, like, what is going on with this? None of the, it was not a dating conference. It was a straight up, it was a conference for women, actually. It was a straight up Christian conference. You know, they were talking about a range of topics. And for some reason, we we had that show. And I just thought, like, come on, you know. Yeah, I've seen it many, many times. (laughs) Um, You just get used to it, don't you, actually? I'm just thinking, actually, that's so often in completely different church groups um, has just been the case. But I remember, like you're saying, I remember the first time, I mean, the church group, big group that I'm a part of, um, a church that I previously went to, they really had started to listen. And I remember um, a couple of single women who are just, oh, they're just brilliant. Like we got to know each other really well through different things. But they were um, brought in to kind of lead a couple of big things in the church. It's too long to explain. (laughs) But they were leading some apostolic and church planting and outreach in the UK things. Um, Not married, just using their skills, using their gifts, having fantastic relationships, friendships, mentoring younger people, Mm. me being one of them. And I just thought, like, this is awesome. And it's it was almost sad, though, that I could notice that it was new and it was different. Um, I just loved it. I think I mentioned to you before when we were talking um, about dating in the past that I, when starting the magazine, I didn't want to get engaged because I didn't want a ring on my finger when getting up and speaking, which sounds ridiculous. But based on what we're saying, I didn't want to be that woman who again has a ring and says, oh, I just met my husband, but now let me talk to you about what I'm called to in ministry. I just didn't want to do it. It was almost separate to me and and you know don't hear me wrong it's not separate you know from my husband but what God called me to do as an individual yeah I'd be doing either way I did it before I met Nathan um so yeah I'm really passionate about that another I don't we're not trying to slam the church here but another little pet hate I have is I've noticed getting invited to more things 
or spotted four things since being with Nathan. Yes. And, was, and I'm like, yeah. oh, now you want me to come to the leaders yeah. something. <laughs> a lot of the research I did said that as well. There was one woman who, I can't remember her exact quote, but I did put it like word for word in the book, who was like, oh, um, a couple found out I had a boyfriend and said like, oh, well, we'll have to have the two of you round and had them round for dinner. And she was like, how much more I needed that invitation before I had a boyfriend. Like, mm. I do think that people are really quick to like champion relationships and, and get to know those two. And, oh yeah, let's let's do this, this and this. And, oh, it can be a fun couples night. One, one friend of mine, um, was really upset because a lot of people in her church went to like a midweek games night but she couldn't go because she didn't have a partner to play the games with and it's like what what is what is this yeah. church you know that's no. horrible yeah no that's can't be where we're at and yeah. I have definitely experienced both sides I mean the church I went to and still actually the church I go to have been amazing I'm quite grateful that you know, I've always been invited to dinners with families and also with single people, with students and with the elderly. It was very family orientated. So even when I was a student, I was invited to, you know, it might be a woman's house and she's 70 and for dinner. And it was really good for that. I mean, what are some of the best ways that you think we can bring people together and just not be weird? Yeah, yeah. So something someone said to me when I was writing the book, which which I put in there as well, and it's really stuck with me, is that we have lost a grip on the difference between entertaining and hospitality. And entertaining is like having a set time, cleaning the house before they come, taking their coat, giving them a drink, having prepared a menu, you know, maybe there's after dinner games, I don't know, whatever it looks like, mm. you know. Um, whereas... And that's amazing. Don't get me like, I don't want people to stop inviting me around. Like I enjoy all of those things. But actually hospitality is like, there's a key under the mat. There's a Tupperware thing of pasta, you know, get yourself a bowl, chuck it in the microwave. There might be some Parmesan left. I can't remember. You might have to run to the shop, put your dish in the dishwasher when you're done. We're all watching a movie. You're one of us. Not like Mm. you're invited to a show. But actually, you're invited to family like, oh, one extra for dinner, right? Let's get see what we've got, you know, a little bit. Oh, don't take two scoops of that because blah, blah's joining us. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's, and as a single person who actually, I live on my own, but during lockdown, moved in with my brother and sister, sorry, my sister and my brother-in-law, they're together, <laughs> not, they're not siblings, they're a married couple. And they've got two kids. And I just love being part of a family unit and part of a family routine. And yeah, okay, so that's not going to be forever. I'll move back to my place. But knowing what time dinner is and that I can just come and I can just open the fridge and no one thinks I'm being rude. And okay, fine, she's my biological family. But we can have that with non-biological family. Mm. We just need to open up ourselves to it. And I think that families underestimate the value of opening up their family dynamic to single people. And plus, like, you know, I put the kids to bed once a week and give them a night off once a week and stuff like that. And that's amazing, you know, and having an extra pair of hands around and to dry while you do the dishes, you know, whatever it is. They're not, they're there because they're they're part of the team. They're part of community, not because they're another person to look after. 
you know mm. and I think that that everyone benefits from that that's really good and they're not a person to look after I think is really important and almost powerful because yeah it's we are I say we I'm married I forget we contribute it contributors we contribute everybody contributes like what you're saying about putting the kids to bed you know I was a lodger before marriage with families same thing it was amazing and they were just church people that said come live with us don't get me wrong I'm sure they gained slightly financially but it was family it was you know oh you can have a frub for your dessert because that's what the kids have got um just grab whatever you want it was lovely but equally it's like I love when the church works like clockwork because it should not just with the big stuff and our gifts and skills and you know things we're called to and the running of the organization but just among people you know single people can take a couple's kids and just give them time off married people or even older people that have money can send financially send a single person to plant a church and whatever it is it should work together in my opinion better I've seen it work fantastically but all of these different types of people are there so that the body works well Mm -hmm. and I think we do forget it's almost like the body analogy again we want to turn everybody into an arm when actually they're supposed to be a leg because we need a leg right now. It's, yeah, I think perspective is yeah. is so important. So sometimes we talk about both marriage and singleness as being gifts. Obviously, we get that from the Bible and the idea that God gives one gift, different gifts to each of us. Um, I love the description in your book of some of us wishing God would, I don't know if it was send it back or like it was on an exchange list or something. Um, and you mentioned kind of like the uh, Potter sorting hat. Yeah. Um, why don't you just talk us through that? What, what Do you think it's helpful language? Obviously, the Bible is helpful. Um, but yeah, how do people feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that comes from Paul sort of saying that there's so much to embrace about it. But I think if we refer to it as a gift, what we're saying is there are some people who've been gifted with a tolerance for it and some people who haven't. And if you're someone who hasn't, what are you supposed to do if you're single, if, if circumstance means that you haven't gotten married? And I think that that's really unhelpful to be like, okay, so of the, let's say of the single people, have got the gift. So they are totally happy and content being single. 50% haven't. And they're just going to have to what white knuckle it until they meet someone if they meet someone. You know, that's I, I just think that's not the case. I don't think being single is something that has to be tolerated with divine intervention. You know, so so yeah, that's, that's why I think that describing being single as a gift is quite difficult. And actually, like, okay, aside from the theology, it's annoying for people who are really uncomfortable in being single and really hope for something else. If if you just be like, you know, but this is such a gift for you, you know, how wonderful. Mm. You're just going to, you know, okay, we're in church, so you probably won't get a smack in the face. <laughs> and the person might picture it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is hard. And I think that goes for anything where someone's genuinely feeling pain and probably needs relationship and a good conversation Mm. when people say, oh, well, you should be so grateful for this time or whatever it is. Mm. And don't get me wrong. I absolutely believe that God can work things together for good, that he has taught me so much in pain. I'm sure you can vouch for that too. Mm. But it's not the most helpful thing at the time to hear 
this is great, isn't it? <laughs> and it's interesting. So I've had that conversation with a few friends. Where are you at with, like, what, what do you say to people that maybe use that scripture and also, you know, God knows the desires of my heart. Yeah. So if I feel uncomfortable and I feel this pain, then surely, surely he'll definitely have someone for me to marry because that's what I want. So God wouldn't do that to me if, you know, if that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, there's no easy answers to this. And this is very much like the why doesn't God, you know, why does God allow suffering? Why, you know, why does sometimes God not answer our prayers, or we feel he's not answered our prayers, or not even heard them at times, you know, all of that stuff is, is really difficult. And I think, um, yeah, I think God on mute is really good on that by Pete Gregg. Yes, that's on our coffee table. Is it? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't opened it, so I'm not that holy. I'm not like, you know, look at us. I haven't opened it, but it's here. I'm really big into buying books, but not so much into reading them. So I really hear you. Like, my hobby is not reading, it's buying books, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's really tough when, you, yeah, God does know the desires of your heart. There's no question he will know that. But actually sometimes, oh, what a horrible thing to say. I wonder if God... When I've prayed about having a partner, I wonder if God is answering that prayer by showing me how much more I have already. Um, and that's, you know, a bit rubbish for me, maybe, because actually what I'd like is to just get what I want instead of mm. appreciating more the things he's given me because I know what I want. Um, but it's, you know, it's complicated. And I do feel like that is something that God has spoken to me about. I don't know if he's speaking to, you know, there will be people listening to this who, who want to be in a relationship and I can't say that's what God's saying to them. You know, it's a, it's a personal relationship, but I know that, you know, and actually I find things about like, Oh, the joy of the waiting and the, you know, the perseverance it builds in us is all a bit like, okay, yeah, thank you. Goodbye now. Um, Mm. but actually, yeah, I I think for, for me anyway, when I pray about stuff like that, God's saying like, yeah, fine, I know, but, but look at what, look at what I am giving you. Don't keep Mm. telling me about something you'd like me to give you. Like, look at what I am giving you. Um, yeah. Definitely. it's really do you know what though living's hard being alive is hard you know we don't get what we want we don't get it when we want it and if we do get it it won't look like we thought it would thanks to disney quite frankly <laughs> so, like it's just another bit of that but there's so much good and you just got to focus on the good yeah totally and also you're right because when we look at what we have that's concrete we can look around and say thank you a thousand times and I think sometimes the risk and kind of what you're saying is when we focus on the thing we know we want it's bizarre isn't it how we can completely forget that the uncertainty that comes with that imagined thing is huge so there are people who are married that are not having a fantastic time so you can think this is what I want yes thank you for everything else but I really 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 want this job or this thing and then you get it or maybe you rush ahead. It's kind of like we see in the Bible. We want a king. Give us a king. All right, fine. And it goes horribly rough. You know, we don't know how it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. But what we have, the things we can be thankful for are concrete. So in terms of that, I think one of the things we forget is also that people can end up single again. 
Um, you know, our teaching on singleness is so important because becoming single again, however it happens, can occasionally be a good thing, but in the majority, I'd say it's super painful. Yeah. Um, and just thinking again about how the church teach on singleness, some of the things we've discussed, the language. Mm. Um, we had a leader at one of my previous churches who gave a fantastic message and just posed this question of, do we forget that people will become single again? Because if we don't teach people how to be single, mm. what happens when there's a bereavement? Mm. What happens if there is divorce? Mm. At least 50% of a married couple will be single again. Yeah, 100%. Every marriage ends either in divorce or with death. And wow, I think the moment I said life is hard, this all just really took a turn, didn't it? (laughs) What happened? Yeah, that is the case. And I've got friends who are divorced in a Christian setting and that was not their choice or their preference, you know, but you can't force someone to stay with you. You can't, you know, chain someone to your house and tell them you'll be married forever if someone's out then you have to let them leave really and that is incredibly painful and because divorce is you know far from ideal and there are very few scenarios where um the church would deem it you know an appropriate response it's actually not spoken about very often because it's considered Mm. to be such a small minority I don't think it's that big. I don't think it's that small a minority, if I'm honest. And particularly when you get into the older generations, people being widowed is not a small minority. You know, that it happens and it's incredibly, incredibly painful. And you're right. And I have had, you know, actually notes on love. The book really doesn't address those things. Um, directly but I have had messages from people who've said like I'm single again for uh, various reasons and this all feels even harder than last time you know Um, because they you know they're coming from a place where expectations haven't been met in some way Mm. you know they didn't expect to be single at this point for one and for one reason or another they are and it's incredibly painful and I think that the pain of becoming single again or even the pain of being single still after years and years and years of praying you know some people I spoke to were single still in their 40s and 50s even though they've been praying for their partner since their teens and early 20s and actually something that we can all do about that is we can just listen we need to stop going, all right, well, so what are you doing about it? What dating apps are you on? Can I introduce you to John? Can we do this? You know, how about how about a, a holiday here? Actually, just go like, yeah, that sounds really painful. And if I was in your situation, I'd find that really hard too, you know? Mm. It's, it's a type of, it's grief. It's a type of mourning, you know? And I don't want, I'm not ranking pain. I'm not saying it's, as painful or more painful or less painful than other types of grief. But I'm saying that, you know, people are sad for something that they haven't got, that they thought they would, you know. Mm. And if someone was grieving a death, a loss, you would never say like, right, you know, let's get you outside, you know, cheer up, come on, should we go to Mega Bowl or do you want to go to the cinema? You just sit with them, you let Mm. them feel that pain, but you make sure they don't feel it alone. And I think 
that we can learn to do that. We can acknowledge the pain and we can just sit with someone. We don't need a solution. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And it is, like you said, it's something that you can get both in and out of marriage, like an intimacy. That's what listening Mm. creates, doesn't it? It's an intimacy Mm. where you can share yourself with someone. And bringing it back to what you said earlier, I think this comes back to if we treat a relationship, a romantic relationship as the next stage, then it creates this almost idea that if you're single again, you've gone backwards, Mm. which isn't, one isn't forwards and then if you lose it it's backwards yeah. it's all forwards yeah. whatever you're doing yeah. um so yeah really something to think about and yeah you're right we did take a little somber trip there um but I wanted to ask then okay so in terms of being single you mentioned the whole let's go meet John or you should do this if somebody genuinely is you know on the prowl they want to meet the guy or girl all of that how should we what is the best way to set someone up help them get involved should we get involved what do you think um oh my gosh okay so this is quite a big question like the book is divided into three sections and the middle section is the biggest and that's on dating and that's basically like one massive long answer to this question (laughs) okay in summary married people can definitely Married people, people in relationships can help single people. Um, And one of the things, in fact, the feedback that virtually every single person gave me when I interviewed them was that they didn't feel like they were being set up enough by their married friends. And I don't think that needs, as we've said, I don't think that needs to be a like, here's blah, blah, go on a date. But I think that, you know, you as a married person could invite four single blokes and five four single girls who you know just over for dinner and that's it and it'll be a laugh and that's it and don't tell anyone oh I think you and Daniel will get on really well just let them just let them talk and be friends and socialize together and see what happens um Mm. that for me feels like the ideal way of doing it I think that's something really tangible that people who are in couples could do that's really helpful and really fun as well like it's fun to spend time with people who are in the same sort of stage as you are you know because a lot of people particularly in Christian circles can look around and realize they're kind of surrounded by married couples and that's not super fun for them so Mm. there's that next I would say if you are a person who wants to sort of get out there and, and and meet someone um then don't rely on the married people around you because, you know, as everyone I interviewed said, doesn't happen very often. And hopefully that'll change. Maybe people hear this and start doing it. But actually, yeah, be proactive. If there things like if you've got a mate who you're just waiting to realise that they're in love with you because you really feel for them, just tell them it's time. Just tell them. Just see. And it might not go your way. And that's totally fine but at least you've been brave and you know, so you can put it behind you and you can start exploring other options. If you're scared of online dating, then don't be, you know, okay, sometimes it can feel a bit disheartening, but maybe I know so many people now who've met on Christian Connection, on um, Salt, the Christian dating app as well, even on, on things like Hinge and Bumble, you can filter for faith. So you're only shown Christian partners um as well and I do think you know people can get quite upset that they'll pray for a partner and God doesn't just 
you know, bring that person into their lives, that they don't suddenly fall over and, and the person catches them and they're like, whoa, you fell over there. And then they're like, whoa, let's sit you down in case you're not okay. And then, oh my gosh, that was our first day. Actually, I think often what God does with our prayers is provide us with the tools to make it happen for ourselves, you know, and you wouldn't apply for a job. You wouldn't need a new job and then just pray. You'd also send out your CV. You wouldn't want a new house and you just pray. You'd also look online and contact some estate agents. So like if you want a partner, yes, do pray, but don't just pray, you know, get moving yourself as well. Put yourself out there, slide in some DMs, ask people <laughs> out, put yourself on some dating apps, look around you and think like, okay. And also accept invitations. And I know it's been very difficult recently, but if someone invites you to a party, just make yourself show up, make yourself have a conversation with someone who you don't already know, you know, just be around, let people see your lovely face and hear some of your funny words. And maybe... Maybe they won't fancy you, but they'll go, oh, my gosh, you should meet this person. And then at the next Mm. party, you'll be in front of someone who is really compatible with you. You know, it's just a case of of being out there. What a horrible, horrible thing to say. But that is. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. It is true. I I am a massive extrovert, so I know it's easy for me. I enjoy that sort of thing. Mm. But it it is hard um, for a lot of people. But you're right. The amount of people that introduce you to another person to another person. And that could be just friendships, like people of the same sex. could be for work. It could be anything. But it's amazing. And especially with church, because I feel like God, God's great at linking all (laughs) the right people. It's fantastic. Um, You're right. Being out there for any part of life is really helpful yeah um I just want to clarify with the setting up situation you said invite four or five people like singles so I'm just going to guess that it's not cool to invite you know one John Doe and one Jane Doe and sit them at your table because it's a bit obvious you can do that but I wouldn't expect amazing results from that (laughs) like you can but for me I mean, if the per- if the people are all really fun and they're not going to get weird and awkward if they don't fancy each other or actually weird and awkward if they do fancy each other, then yeah, sure, and it'll just be a nice dinner. But set expectations really low. Don't, I think it'd be a shame if you really hyped it up for like three weeks. Like, you guys are going to so get on. I just can't wait. I just can't wait to get you guys talking about, you know, your favourite, you know, like X-Men series or like whatever it is that you and Jane and John both love, you know, like actually... If you can just get a little mix of people in a room, I think that's probably better. But if you're certain two people will get on, then yeah, sure, why not? But I'd say it wouldn't be my plan A, you know? Yeah, definitely. And maybe have like a good relationship. Like I'd allow my closest friends to do some work for me, but maybe not, you know, whoever from church who've chatted with me once and think I'm in need (laughs) or something like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And also you could, you know, wait for people to ask. Like I remember asking people that I love and that know me, oh, do you know of anyone? That's fine. Then you've got permission. That's fun. (laughs) But just making people turn up in a room and like staring at them. Yeah. Not so, not so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because some people absolutely hate being set up and some people absolutely love it. I just, I think it doesn't hurt to sort of clarify with that person where they are on that spectrum before you go out there, you know, looking for people to introduce them to and I as I said love your book where can people get it 
Oh, in all the book places. Um, so it's it's on Amazon, but I know lots of people would prefer not to shop on Amazon. So like WH Smith, Waterstones and Eden, the Christian bookshop as well. Um, but if you give it a Google, I'm sure lots of lots of options will pop up. Fabulous. And so with every take five guest, I have a take five question. Woo! Um, <laughs> I made it sound really exciting. Um, that's the response I wanted. So... <laughs> The idea is you can take five items to a particular context. Now, it's a little bit fluffy, as I said, but I think it could be quite fun. Okay. So I want to ask you, right. if you could only take five items yep. on a first date. On a first date. What would they be? On a first date. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I assume that, like, I'm fully dressed and I'm sitting, like, in a bar or coffee shop or something, right? Yep, I, would... I don't usually bring like apparatus on a date, but I suppose I suppose this is too good an opportunity. Um, yeah, right. I you... bring I'd bring one fun thing for us to do together. Um, oh, do you know what I'd bring? This is so nerdy, but have you played the board game Code Names? We have all three. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it is not nerdy. <laughs> All three. Right. Well, I would bring the Harry Potter one because that's a two player and that's perfect. You know I'm sorry. What? You, what? You don't know that there's a Harry Potter. Have you code seen? Code? Can you is this backwards? Oh stop it. No, that But well, I've never heard of this. Just to be clear, what I've just seen here is Taylor's Harry Potter mug that she is drinking out of. So okay, yeah, you need to get yourself a Harry Potter code name. Because it's a two part a two player as well. So like you don't even need to invite friends down to your house. You and your husband can have your own mini games night with Harry Potter. Can't even can't believe that's this. big. Right. So that's my first one. Cool. Second one I would bring are my roller skates because I think that they make me seem younger and funner and cooler than I am. And I'm actually not terrible on them. I'm not great. Like, I can't do tricks, but I'm all right, you know. So, right, roller skates and code names. Oh, my gosh, I already sound like such a loser. Who wants to date this person? Are you turning up on them? That's my question. I think I'd bring them in the bag and whip them out later, like it's the talent round in um, Take Me Out, you know? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't, you don't want to give everything away early doors. Right. Um, then I would bring something to spruce myself up a bit, you know, like hairspray or a lipstick, let's say, and a really nice lipstick. So I can mm. go from like casual coffee to like evening sexy if it goes really well and we keep on, you know, you know how every magazine when you were growing up was like, oh, and this is so versatile, it can take you from day to evening. So I would want the lipstick to take me from day to evening, you know. I haven't needed to go from day to evening nearly as much as I thought I would after most <laughs> magazines, but do the roller skates do the roller skates take you from like day morning to afternoon? I feel like the roller skates would be the perfect mode of transportation to take me from the coffee shop to the bar. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so like lip gloss on skates. Yeah, so it would be you... something like coffee shop with code names. Oh my gosh, this is going so well. Let's roller skate to a bar. Okay. Oh, lipstick, right? Right, okay. I'm I get two more things as well. I think I'd bring some photos of like my family and my life so I could like paint a picture of who I am. 
And then would I bring a present? Is bringing a present on a first date creepy? Yeah, it's well creepy. I wouldn't do that. I would, even though I have just turned up with code names and roller skates. So I think maybe that ship sailed. And some baby baby photos. <laughs> this is my life. Yeah, this is what this our is... kids would look like. <laughs> um, and then the final thing. I'd want it to be something that really represented me. The final thing I'd bring would be a DVD of the film Mean Machine because it's my favourite film and I love Vinnie Jones and I feel like if it went really well, we could watch a movie after the cocktail. <laughs> I need I need to go from the top here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I normally I would plan... My own answers in my own head, and I don't really know what five items you bring to a date, so it might be my fault. But I just want to recap. Um, yeah, board, the board game, love that. I think it's good to have like conversation. But then that's just we're kind of those people. Someone else might not be, but hopefully you've vetted the situation, so it's like mm-hmm. he's up for that. Yeah, rollerblades. Would you need to bring another pair, like for him, or are you just going to skate on? And well, does that count as a second item, or can I have two pairs of roller skates as one item? Oh, I'll allow it because every single person on the podcast has had an additional, some sort of loophole. I'm too weak. <laughs> yeah, I'm too, I'm too weak. I just want this date to go really well and I think oh. two, two pairs. Yeah, okay, so we've each got a pair. And that's oh. cute as well because if he's like not very good, then I can teach him or if he's like really good, then he can teach me and that's all, oh, look at us, you know. Oh, I'll have to hold your hand. Oh, I'll have to grab your arm. Oh, great arm, you know, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah, all the stuff. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Somewhat shocked but very impressed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good date. <laughs> Well, you heard it here first. Maybe roller skates is what we've all been missing. I had such a great chat with Lauren. All the time in the world for her. Please do come back and listen to the next Take 5 with TVN UK podcast episode. And for the time in between, why don't you get connected with us on social media at TVN UK TV. See you next time. <laughs>